you know, I was, I was thinking, um, this has been a week. It's been a really difficult, difficult, difficult week. And it's been, there's been also a week of a little bit of promise, at least in my experience, that there's been some things I've never seen before as far as um, the way people are responding to racism and, and um, people are showing up. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's been a week. Anyway, um, what I've been thinking about is um, in this week, and, and actually this week and in the, the months prior during the pandemic, that people keep coming to practice, that, you know, we have these online offerings and um, they seem to explode online during um, the pandemic and there's still um, people are making as much space as possible to um, um, show up in rooms like this uh, to, you know, I do the morning meditation every day and there's bunches and bunches and bunches of people that come from all over the place that I don't know, that I that I don't know in person, um, that I've never seen. Um, Y'all are not from L.A. Um, you're from lots of different places. So it's just this extraordinary coming together. And, um, you know, I always, when we do this, the gratitude practice at the end, I always invite the, that, that, that um, awareness of gratitude. And I'm always grateful for the practice. It's uh, usually that's what comes up. It's like, God, I'm so grateful for this. And so, you know, what, what I wanted to think, what I, what came up for me is like, what draws you to this practice? What keeps you coming back? Cause not, I don't think any of you are really new. Um, you might be, some might be newer than others, but you've been doing this for a little bit, at least for a few months, which, um, people say, well, there's, you know, this is, this is, so this is not necessarily an easy thing either. And, um, so this, this, I want to just investigate what draws us to practice, what draws me to practice, invite you to answer that question on your own, reflect on that, what draws you to practice. So I just want to go over a few things. I know for me, it's a couple of things that came up while I was thinking about this is it's a way to hold the world. It's a way to deal with reality. Um, I wasn't very good in dealing with it on my own. <laughs> I found very destructive ways, very self-destructive ways to hold reality. Actually, I was not interested in dealing with reality. And so I found destructive ways to not deal with reality, which only made it worse. Um, it's a way to see myself, a way to see my conditioning, my, uh, the changing, how the changing nature of my experience. And then it's a way to see my story. Again, that fantasy, that fabrication, and it, um, it's a way to um, uh, really begin to see clearly what what the world is like, what my what I'm like in the world, those types of things. And I listened to um, a little snippet by Lama Rod Owens this morning. Some of you may know him. He's one of the co-authors of Radical Dharma. He's a great guy. I love him. I've met him a couple of times, and he's just He's a really, really lovely person, and he's really very wise. He's incredibly wise, and he has these, um, I know Jake was asking me this morning, but he's on Instagram, and he's got a lot of 
like 10, 15 minute little meditations or practices. And I listened to one this morning and um, uh, he said he can't do the work of the world. We can't do the work of the world until we have something in the world to hold us, whatever that is. And he, you know, it's really hard to do what needs to be done in whatever realm, the work of, you know, investigating ourselves, the work of, of being in the world and, and, and dealing with what that throws at us. And he goes, it's really difficult to do it really. He says it can't be done unless you have found something to hold you, whatever it is. And, you know, I see that as connection and he, he's a he's a, um, he has a different lineage. He's a Tibetan Lama. And so he has different um, practices. But for him, Tara is a really important practice, which is for him, it's the mother. And he said that's Tara is what holds him. That's where his heart can break wide open. That's how he can hold the pain. Um, that's where he feels held. And he says, you know, and he talked about he goes, he's he is black and he's queer and he's fat and to navigate the world in in that body he says he needs a place of refuge to hold to land to sit and and i think that's true of all of us i mean this this need for connection this need for a place to land is such an important point and that is where i how i feel about this practice it's a place to land that gives me support that gives me refuge um i don't have that practice that lama rod has uh, about tara um but i have the the theravadan lineage which is a, just a different for those of you who are not familiar with buddhism um there was the buddha and then he died and then it went in a million different directions that's that's just the 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 short shorthand version of it but it moved around the world and it and it and it kind of um developed in different ways a lot of times it just kind of melded with what was already there and so different these different practices appeal to different people they speak to different things and so that's i think a beautiful uh a beautiful um beautiful piece of buddhist practice is and of buddhism as it has evolved is that it's not if you don't do it this way you're screwed um there's really there's there's the core teachings and then there's how it manifests for us and how it is meaningful for us which is such a beautiful piece of it and so in looking at this it's um it's it reminded me of the refuges which is what i wanted to talk about last week but we didn't actually talk about we didn't have a dharma talk last week we just kind of shared the reality of what was happening and with with george floyd and um and the that violence and um so this is uh, this is this kind of but has led me back this this listening to lama rod has led me back to this idea of refuge and that the teaching is about refuge the teaching is about finding a place to land and i find really a lot of comfort in the refuges and and the refuges are um the buddha the dharma the sangha that's the traditional the triple gem, they call it. We take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, and I'll get into that. And, um, you know, for me, I always think about it as a warm overcoat on a cold day. 
this comfy when it's really, really cold and you walk out and you just put on this coat and it's like, ah, it feels so yummy. Or it can, you know, also to keep with the clothing metaphor, those broken, those sneakers that are just so comfy, those shoes that you just don't ever want to get rid of because they just are right. And that's the support. That's that place where you feel held. Um, for me, it, um, it's this, this place to land. Um, it enables me to deal with my conditioning to, like Lama Rod says, to allow my heart to crack open. Because when you have a place where you can just be and feel held, there's that safety in that. If you can, if you can access that, if you can find that place. And so um, I have this quote too, and I'm not sure where I got it, but it's like, and it's not even a quote, it's just a sentence I have written down. Taking refuge is choosing to be supported and held as you do the hard work, as you do the hard work of purification. And the purification is this, this, this um, willingness to touch the pain that's inside, to touch the grief, to see the, the harsh realities of our conditioning, um, and to be willing to uh, see things the way they are. Um, there's, there's, um, oh yeah, it's whatever is true for us in, in the context of, of, of the world to see my privilege as a white person, um, you know, and I have here, I have Lama Rod's quote about being black and queer and fat and navigating all those things. And now, you know, navigating all the things we have to navigate and all the, all the intersections of them. Um, and La Sarmiento, who's a teacher back in, I think, I think they're in the D.C. area. They, they teach a lot at, um, you know, La, Andrea? Yeah, they teach a lot with um, IMCW, I think, Insight um, Community in Washington. And they said, this refuges are about being with yourself however you are. You know, being with yourself however you are. And I think they talked about it when they were talking about taking refuge with the Buddha. Um, belonging, let's see, be with yourself however you are. Belonging is up to us. It's not from the outside. We trust that we belong in this life. That is that place that when you are able to take refuge and you can really tap into this, there's that promise of being okay regardless. Being okay regardless. And that kind of moves me into the, the refuge of, what does taking refuge in the Buddha mean? For me, um, just at the at the um, at the, the 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 most basic level, it's taking refuge in the idea that this person, this human being, could get to this place. This human being was able to transcend his conditioning, transcend the difficulties, transcend whatever it was he was dealing with, and to find um, uh, a way out of suffering, a way out of. Uh, of um, this continual cycle of samsara, the birth and the death and the rebirth of the suffering and over and over, the rebirth of attachment over and over again. And so, but to take it to this next piece that Law was talking about, um, being able to be with yourself however you are and trusting um, trusting that you be, that we belong in this life and belonging is up to us. It's not from the outside. We don't get, 
you know, we don't get tapped on the shoulders like they knight people in the UK that you, you know, they touch your shoulders with a sword and then you belong. Because I can tell people, people can tell me I belong a bazillion times over and over again. But until I have that internal comfort, that internal belief, that, that, acceptance inside it's not going to make any difference it's like you know material objects you know all the toys in the world are not going to do anything unless there's something inside um so the story of the buddhism awakening is a beautiful um example that points to this if you know on the on the the night he was awakened he just uh, he, he saw clearly the nature of existence and the four noble truths and uh, suffering and um mara who's the embodiment of um uh evil let's shall we say or is the embodiment of greed hatred and delusion sent um their armies towards um uh, uh the Buddha to try and tempt him out of his um, his equanimity, and he fought off the, the 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 sensual temptations, and then he fought off the the aversive um, uh, piece of it, and then Mara sent delusion, doubt, and basically was saying, "Who do you even think you are?" To to think you can teach, to think you can offer anything, to think that you have shit and to give and the buddha kind of touched the earth and said the earth is my witness because i am because i am so we can all bear witness the earth bears witness to all of us just because we are we are full because we exist it's the conditioning that gets in our way it's what the stories we've been told about who we are and what we can do and what we can do but when we really come to this refuge in the Buddha, that we can say, oh, no, me too. I remember the first time I heard that story or the first time it landed. My, I was, it was electric. It was electric for me. Um, I was on a retreat, so I might have been extra uh, open and sensitive. But I heard that and was like, woof, me too. Me, because my core is, oh, my core thing is I'm always on the outside looking in because I'm never good enough. And so then when I was told that, no, yeah, you too. And I was like, what? so yeah, me too. And so it's a, it's a difficult place to get to. It takes effort. It takes work, but that's the refuge that it's like, okay, I believe this. I'm going to walk in this direction because, because the earth is here and I'm a human being and that's it just cause. So that's pretty powerful when you can get that in, um, have that in an experiential awareness rather than it, I mean it's a journey from intellectual to um, the heart uh, but it's worth worth working at it the next piece is um, uh, this this refuge in the Dharma and um, which again is is a, is a, is a two there's two ways to look at it is just the pure teachings you know, the Eightfold Path, the mountains of um, books that we have, the Buddhist suttas, and then all the commentaries on the suttas. So that's the teachings. You know, that is often pointed to as the Dharma, um, the way, but it's also, which I think is much more um, 
there, we can take so we can take refuge in the the teachings and we can take refuge in the word of the Buddha as it's offered and has been written down, but the way it is, the Dharma, the water you were in, this look around, this is the Dharma. As I said last week, there's no out there and in here. There just is. There just is. And so the earth, this present moment. And the ability to hold it, the ability to hold what your experience is, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, with some kind of balance, with some kind of equanimity, without a desire for something to be different, for change to happen. Not that, not that, that we don't work towards change, but to say, right now, this is what's happening, and to hold that. Hold that messiness. I talked to a few people today. It was really extraordinary. There's a lot of um, upheaval in a lot of people's lives. I mean, it sounds like a really trite thing to say, but to, and then there's always this, this tendency to say, I got to do something different. I got to make, I, instead of my, my, my suggestion to each of them was to sit in the messiness. Sit with that in pain, sit with the grief, sit with the sadness, sit with what's right here. That's the Dharma. Take refuge in the reality of the moment. You know, take refuge in what's here. Because if you can take refuge in your feelings and be held with the realization that, okay, I can hold this. It doesn't have to look different. That's a powerful place. That's a powerful place to, to come from. And it's a powerful foundation. Um, the way you feel will not kill you. And so often the fear of feeling is worse than the actual feeling. But what the way you feel will not kill you. It's your way of avoiding feeling that might kill you. That's actually much, I think, truer than this. And, of course, you don't dive in with both feet at your first time out of the gate. It's like, all right, here I go, because that's not wise either. You do this incrementally. But I have been able to hold things that I didn't even know I was afraid of, hold pain, you know, sob, have the, that snot dripping out of my nose, too be polite about it but it's like to let it be messy there's no rule that says it's not messy it's going to be messy if you're a human being walking this earth it's going to be messy some of us it's messier than others so to be able to hold that to and to to for me i've been able to feel held in these teachings um because the eightfold path has actually provided a net a framework how do i do that how do I show up? How do I navigate this? You know, and the, and the Eightfold Path has shown me that path to freedom. I'm not going to get into the Eightfold Path right now, but it's this, how do I, how do I um, show up in relationship with other humans, other beings? That is, and I believe this with my full heart and soul, that these teachings are wise and that these teachings offer a path to freedom. So I'm willing to go, all right, I'm going to just jump off the, the, it, it reminds me when I was in, um, I was in uh, visiting my niece and her family over the holidays over 
New Year's and her sons are 16 and 13 and they got virtual reality for Christmas. And so, of course, I had to play virtual reality. One of them was Drunken Bar Fight, which was the best ever. If you ever, ever had a chance to play Drunken Bar Fight, do it. It's awesome. You just walk in and you pick up a beer bottle and you hit somebody over the head with it. And it's like, and, um, but that's not what came up for me. There's this other one. Um, it's kind of like the standard one that comes with the package. And you it's called Plank, I think. And you're at the top of this skyscraper. And you walk out on a plank and you're looking down. You're maybe like 80, 90 stories up. And you just walk off the edge. That's how you kind of get out of it. And um, even though you know that it's um, all it's fake and you're still like, eh, eh, eh. and it's like, it's virtual reality. And it's like, I'm in a living room. And it's like, you know, so it's that willingness because I believe so, so deeply in the Eightfold Path and these teachings, because I've seen it in my life. I've seen the changes. I've seen that I've been able to sit. I've been held by these teachings because I've done it incrementally. I'm able to walk off that plank and go, all right, I'm going to keep doing this. I have found that refuge in the Dharma in the way it is. And then the the last the last one is the Sangha taking refuge in um, in our spiritual ancestors. You know, that's what it is. There's there's this twofold again, this twofold way of looking at taking refuge in the Sangha. There's the 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 realization that people have been doing this for twenty six hundred years. And so to take refuge in my spiritual ancestors that have been walking this path before me and go, okay, you know, um, I've just been doing some ancestor work fairly recently, which I've never done before because I never had a clue about who my ancestors were. And now that I've started doing that, and which is so funny, that last, um, that show I just saw before I came in here, he was, he was talking about climbing his family tree. And there's a, that has given me a sense of connection. Um, but I want to, I'm going on retreat tomorrow. Should have been going up to Spirit Rock, but I'm not. I'm going to be going on retreat in my house. And we're doing, um, it's with the nuns from Aloka Vihara, the, the, up in Northern California, um, Ayananda Bodhi and Aya Santa Chita. And we're doing the first, the first free women. So poems of the early Buddhist nuns. So this is a, you know, this is the Sangha from way back in the day. So it's like 2,600 years. So this is this is uh, a connection I'm going to make and get into more more of an intimate relationship with this spiritual ancestor, these spiritual ancestors. So that's one way to look at this refuge in the sangha. And another way of this refuge in the sangha is the community we're in right now, the community that we we connect with. Um, in a in a in a regular in a regular way in a daily basis, and it's there's a there's a thing I saw that um, it says it's not just anybody, but it's a it's a it's a um, it's a community of the wise. A true sangha functions functions as an inspiring example, worthy of reverence, in order to offer us true spiritual guidance guidance. An ordinary group of Buddhists may include individuals whose beliefs and or behavior barely conforms to the Dhamma. So should we take refuge in those who may mislead us? 
no, that's it's not just because they're here. You just believe everything they say. It's like the Buddha said: is believe, you know, see for yourself. Find those people who have what is um, uh, meaningful that you trust. What you say. There's a lot of people out there teaching this stuff, but not all of them are worthy of your trust. Some of them are very untrustworthy. Some of them cause a lot of harm. You need to hopefully be discerning. And if you can find one or two people to trust that you can trust at an intimate level, that's a gift. Not a lot of people have one or two or three people that they can trust intimately with their with their deepest, um, you know, their pain. So if you can find that and trust what they have to offer, some perspective, that's a beautiful thing. So to have that and take refuge in that sangha, to be able to develop that sense of vulnerability with another human being, it's a tremendous gift. It's a tremendous gift. And um, so the ultimate refuge in all of this, and this path leads us in this direction, is to develop our own hearts and minds which is, as I said, the ultimate refuge. And so I, I, um, that's why I keep practicing, because I have been, uh, I have found a refuge in these teachings. I have found a refuge in this practice. So when it's not that I come to it as a spiritual bypass, as a, oh, it's really painful now, fix me, fix me, fix me. You know, like I talk about loving kindness, the meta practice is not magic pixie dust to hit something over the head and go, okay, fix it. Not to feel that spiritual bypass way, but to really be able to hold the difficulties, to really hold the difficulties um, with equanimity, with balance. So those are my thoughts on refuge and what brings me, um, keeps me in practice. And I want to, I'm happy to, I'm happy to answer any questions. I'm happy to hear what you have to say, but I also want to, um, break you into some groups so you can, can, so you can share with each other what brings you to practice, what keeps you here. Um, uh, or you can talk about what a crock of shit this all is. doesn't matter. You can do whatever. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.